American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are joining us. This is the American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead. That's right, folks. It's alive. It's well. And you, too, can be privy to it. You, too, can take advantage. My name is Neil with SFJ4x4.com, joined in studio by my esteemed colleague and uh upper half hoodie twin today jeff shermani the italian stallion so today's topic uh we're actually going to discuss humble pie uh humble being one of the five h's that we discussed early on in this series yeah i'm excited about this so yeah we're gonna we're gonna break down those five h's a lot more focused i think we did a session we did uh a a podcast i think we did it was like a Three-part series. Two, three-part. Because we broke it down a couple H's a week, but okay. this time we're going to break down each individual H. Well, and I think that... And uh, we're, mix it up, so we're not going to go all five H's right in a row. Agreed. Agreed. I, I I know I reached out to you a little while ago about this, and, uh, you know, for me, the ability to, you know, to speak softly and carry a big stick yep. was a... Roosevelt quote that I was exposed to very early on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Interestingly enough, it was actually my grandmother's, uh, one of her mantras, which you think about a woman who was born in the, you know, in the the teens, if you will. Um, That's a pretty progressive mindset, you know, Mm -hmm. teens to, to, to late 20s, I believe. And you know she was all about that. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to, to clarify this. this. That was a hundred years ago, not the teens or late twenties currently. Wow. <laughs> True that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. About a hundred years ago, um, she would have been. I think right now she would have been in her her mid nineties. Yeah. So you know. So I guess that was in the twenties or so, twenties to thirties. But regardless, um, that is it was a, an impactful quote for me much of my life, and uh, I know I reached out to you. And, uh, and, and, and said, Hey, I really want to talk about this. Cause I think that there's a lot of merit or value, um, when it comes to presenting yourself in public yes. and that says that's, that's anybody, um, not just, you know, business owners, uh, or, or public figures of any sort. Um, uh, but with the, you know, increasing critical nature of social media, uh, the the fact that we all have these supercomputers in our pockets, our right. ability to capture uh, any interaction at a moment's notice, and let alone the moment that you put something up on the internet, uh, immediately people can be screenshotting, screen sharing, you know, recording that. Even if you want to go back and be like, you know, what that was a moment of weakness, folks. Whatever it might be, um, it's already out. There. It's already out there, right? It's an interesting topic to say how in the the 21st century how we are presenting ourselves yeah right and and so i think that's one of the things that i really wanted to unpack because specifically one of the things that i felt inspired uh to reach out to you regarding this was because of a social media post right and uh and and so i was observing some interactions online and 
I was observing these interactions online and I'm reading through it and I'm going, you know what, you could have handled this. The individual I was, I was, you know, voyeuring in on, you could have handled this entirely differently. And as a whole, the situation could have gone better for you. Absolutely. Right. So the concept of, of humble pie, um, is, is one that I think that we are oftentimes, uh, was a foundational principle of much of society, Eastern culture, uh, Western cultures, you know, kind of if you go back hundreds of years um, and arguably maybe even thousands of years and we look back through the course of history, there was this there was this emphasis placed on humility. Yep. And and ultimately humbleness. Um, And so that we were uh, if you were a good person and you were uh, humble about the process that uh, the concept of the meek shall inherit the earth, right? And so the challenge was at that time was you had the the ruling hierarchy, and then you had the the peasant class, the you know, and they were supposed to be humble about their, you know, their 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 position in life. Yeah. And as a Western culture, we have continued to break that mold further and further and further from this meek or meager beginnings. And we have, as a society, uh, accentuated, emphasized, and applauded this kind of superficial show of success. Correct. So uh, folks who are listening to this, you know, our team right now is in preparation to head to Las Vegas. Yes. And arguably, there is very few iconic United States landmarks so much as Las Vegas that kind of accentuates this showy lights and sounds and, you know, kind of bright night atmosphere. The opposite of humble. The opposite of humble. Yes. Right? And somehow as society, we are constantly as Western society, right? American hustle. We are constantly playing a game of tug of war between um, our actual position in life. So yeah. the authentic the authenticity of where we really are and the fact that culturally we have an appreciation for this superficial bright lights, uh, fast pace. Uh, a lot of places the, the term hustle porn has become very popular or grind porn and the idea that um, if I can, you know, accentuate myself and say that, oh, how, look how busy I am. Um, obviously, there's a term I've used in the past called Weissgerbering. Uh, that's a term that I've, I've come up with and I use. Uh, it's kind of a made up word in the process. And it's just kind of like playing yourself up, uh, making yourself look better. The opposite of humble, right? Yeah. Fluffing up a situation. And the reality, it's really interesting. We just kind of unpack Las Vegas as a as a specific uh, situation. You can tell somebody in a, your second or third circle, right? So not your immediate family, but you know, once or twice removed from you, that you're going to Las Vegas, and all of a sudden they conjure up an expectation about you. Yeah. Right. What, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. The sins of Vegas, all of those the, things. The the TV shows where you know there's crazy nightlife. The the CSI Las Vegas, I yep. think there was. There's this fast paced, bright light environment. Yep. The opposite of humble. Okay. Now this is the piece that I share with people over and over again, and I and I, I get a kick out of it. And a lot of people are like, "Huh? Oh, like that's crazy." I literally knowing this 
But having humble beginnings as a business owner myself, the first time that myself and our lead performance mechanic from our, our parent company went out there, we stayed in a dollar hotel at the Howard Johnson off the strip and just went there on basically a peanut butter and jelly budget. Yeah. Right? The idea was we embraced uh, our, our humble nature and and kind of owned that, right, personally. Yeah. But when it came to marketing ourselves, we didn't take a picture of the Howard Johnson Hotel. We didn't shout it from the rooftops. We didn't throw an after party. We didn't do any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? We just kind of owned our position in life and just said, hey, we got we to gotta put our foot in the door. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think one of the challenges, the juxtaposition that I'm kind of leading up to is the fact that there are too many uh, individuals within Western culture who are not pre- prepared to embrace their humility, right? To humble themselves, to go to the Howard Johnson, the Hojo, as I like to refer to it, instead as a small business owner, a committee member, a board of a board of directors, a whoever, however, whatever you are, the idea is that somehow you got to go and you got to stay at the Bellagio, yeah. right? So you you come in as a small business owner, you really don't have the cash, you don't have the capital, you don't have the back end support, and you go, oh well, it's just money. Oh well, it's just a weekend. I'll I'll pay the loan back off. I'll pay the loan back off. That credit card will get paid off yep. eventually. Right. Yep. But it's I, I got to have the flash in the pan. Look, I got to play the part. I got to be able to to when I'm doing the meet and greet, I got to walk in there with the right shoes, the pants, the the shirt and yep. be like, I'm staying over at the Bellagio. Yeah. I'm at the win. You that two thousand dollar suit when a five hundred dollar suit, two hundred dollar suit would look just just as good. Just as good. Yeah, a- absolutely. Right. And I think that that is the embrace of humble pie. Yeah. Right. Now, the, there is the there is the flip side, and I hope that we'll unpack that as well. Is when you're wrong, being humble. Right? Oh yeah. So there's there's for me there's there's kind of a a, a two equally important uh, conversations about humility, about being humble. Well, and and as we break down those conversations, it's not just about maintaining the humbleness or being wrong about being humble. There are times where if you are too humble, you are hurting yourself. Hundred percent. Because of uh, you're you're lowering your expectations of yourself. I, unbelievable. Absolutely, I agree entirely. And <clears throat> and so the the concept of humbleness yes. is actually very complex. So and I got the Oxford Dictionary for you because I know you love it oh when I do that. Oh my god, I hate it when people do. I was at a I was at a show the other day, a band show, a competitive band show, and the announcer was like, Webster's dictionary describes such and such. And I was like, Oh my god, I feel like I'm in third grade doing a, a class report all over again. What band show were you at that they were doing? Isn't this? that the truth? I mean, right? I- that was in Northeastern Ohio. There was an event and uh the band announcer got on and was like, Webster's dictionary defines I don't, I don't even remember what it was, sassy wow. or something like that. And I was like, this is the lamest, uh, you know, public announcement I've ever heard. Or no, when you're there for that, you want to hear the, the energy pumping up and yes. getting everybody excited. Yes. Not back to school, guys. Bueller. <laughs> right. Bueller. Bueller. Uh, yeah. So anyways, right, anyways. With, with that note, what, Oxford uh, Dictionary. With, with that note, Oxford. <laughs> All right. Uh, humble is 
defined as having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's importance. Yes. And I, and, and I think that is part of it, but I don't believe that that is the full definition of humble because I don't think that you should devalue yourself for, from your own worth. A hundred percent. But you have to remember your beginnings and where yes. that, where that worth came from. Yes. But you don't have to devalue where you're at now. A hundred percent. And I, and I'm, you know, the, we use the term modesty in here and I think that modesty is a tremendously important character uh trait right yeah and you know modesty humility uh humbleness all of those you know words are are, are virtually the same you know uh in in a in a slight matter of minutiae we probably could have a diff we could differentiate them but for for most people's conversation they're the same and the challenge is, we go back to, as I was contextualizing, Western civilization, we have progressively, our cowboy nature uh, as, you know, Western culture, uh, the American hustle, are, has, has taken us further and further away from humility, modesty, and, and humbleness. Yes. Right? Um, which is the challenge, because on one hand, we celebrate... The New York City bright lights, the Las Vegas nightlife, and and shows the the, the Los Angeles hustle and 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 grind. You know what I mean? We celebrate those things as a as a a bell curve of society. You know, dancing with the stars, celebrity, this, that, and the third. Right? The, all of those kind of big, uh, overly you know fluffed up experiences. On well, one hand, it's like it's like if somebody famous walks into a restaurant, all of a sudden, do you know who that is? You you see you know what we yeah. got to do yeah you treat them like everybody else. I think that was one of the most important things my mom instilled in me in the, the very early ages. She was incredibly pack, impactful individual, and she was just like, uh, I don't care. They right. just they put their pants on like everybody else. Exactly. You know? Which is which is the which is the flip side, I think, of that cowboy nature, or similar similarly to say, hey, we're all kind of on a. Uh, on a similar playing field, a plane, right? And that's what has, I think, instilled in me that the American hustle, the idea that the American dream, uh, while I don't want to be president of the United States, I'm not overly impressed by a, an individual who, you know, can can climb the, the political ladder. I just, that's just the path they took and the path I'm taking is different as well. I yes. kind of don't care right. at this point, you know? Um, and, and, you know, my mom always said, oh, well, if I met the president, I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. I said, well, you know, I shake his hands and I try to say something nice because I want to be a kind person. And that was kind of her approach to anything. Yes. You know, I think that that is a, an important part of uh, appropriately managing humility. Yes. Right. The idea that she's not overly impressed. She's not, you know, she doesn't need the New York uh, City Lights. But she also doesn't think that she's so lowly that she doesn't is not deserving of shaking that individual's hand, right. standing toe to toe, and understanding the uh, equilibrium that exists between her position in life and that individual's position in life, the president's or whoever, right? Yeah. And I think that that is the piece that sometimes gets lost in the conversation of of humbleness of humble pie absolutely right um and that i think is is as uh as important as our our um, kind of american hustle roots as anything right and so that on one hand 
Western culture has accentuated flashy brands and uh, you know associations and and fluffed up experiences and high rise towers and sprawling mansions and all those kind of things. Yeah, and so and yet that does not make an individual any better than just the firm self-reliance to say, eh, we're actually on the same page. I can do those good things too, but here's what I'm choosing to uh, be part of or engage in or ac- accelerate in my own life. So let's let's talk about personal experiences with humbleness. Yes. Do you have a direct story where you have either practiced being humble and it paid off or where you were not humble and you learned a lesson. Yeah. And of course I am, uh, arguably full of, uh, of both. Correct. Right. Um, as I'm a just person looking who, for one particular and yeah. any specific one today. And I've got, yeah. I've got one. You've got one in mind yourself. I've got one in mind that specifically was where I learned a lesson. Mm, okay. Yeah. I think that, uh, when I, the challenge I have with when I came up with the term Weissgerbering was a situation where I, I learned a lesson, but not in the manner of needing to be more humble. Okay. Right. And it's actually needing to be less humble. Okay. So as uh, as Midwesterners giving, you know, doing this podcast and people listening in from all over the world and whatnot, uh, Midwesterner cultural values. Uh, were very much inspired by you know Quakers and Puritans as they migrated from you know coastal United St- Easter coastal United States through Pennsylvania and settling into the breadbasket of Ohio. The Midwest then sp- spans into the farmlands of you know southern of the Great Lakes. There's lots of jokes about how we are just kind of like reasonably simple and nice people, you yeah. know. And the challenge is, as I have become exposed to more and more people from the southwest and southeastern coasts, uh, the bigger cities, those types of things, the the concept of uh, what I would say appears to be fluffing one's self-worth up was lost on me as yeah. I kind of progressed into my young adulthood. And when I looked at kind of when I surveyed the landscape of what people were accomplishing – Individuals who were not accomplishing very much or who were accomplishing about the same as myself were getting more recognition than myself or my loved ones simply because they were not restricted in telling people how good they were. You know, so the, the, I'm going to tell you how great I am, right? That's a famous, uh, it's Muhammad Ali. And, oh, yeah. Um, that, that phraseology is one that is ingrained in us that breaks out of the mold of, of humility. Mm-hmm. Because for some reason, we do celebrate it as uh, Western culture, but it puts a target on our back. Yes. Right? So it comes, it's a, it's a, it's a pro and a con, a yin and a yang, uh, whatever you might want to refer to it as. The idea that as I was... It comes back to balance, as always. It comes back to balance, right? And that becomes our tool for our listeners. The tool in in our our, our toolbox is going to be that balance act. And so that lesson that I was learning was I was watching these individuals, Weisgerber themselves, and just kind of when they walked into a room, they they were not carrying a big stick. 
but they were telling everybody about their big stick. Yes. Right? They didn't speak softly. They were outspoken and saying, I'm so busy. I've, I've accomplished these things. I've wrote these three papers. I've, you know been published in this i've you know put on this uh this play recently i've done these things you know they're the best in the room in their mind yes and they're telling everybody and they're telling everybody that the part that i took exception to was as an individual uh reared by my parents who had this very equal you know egalitarian approach i'm looking at this individual going you're really not that special right right and yet there were other people in that room who were like enamored enamored yep they were the people who were enamored goes back to when you tell people that you're going to go to las vegas they're like oh that's so cool because they only associate the bellagio caesars the wind mgm i wish i could go i i I would love to go do that and go do all those different shows who said anything about going to all the different shows like correct this correct this is a work trip where yeah we're gonna have some fun sure it's a work trip sure you know and that's that is the piece but but when you tell people And you use that. We actually talked about positive manipulation in some of our previous uh, podcasts. When you tell people that, they immediately assume something greater or grander about you. Yes. So when you're when you're when you're up churching, when you're and honestly saying that it's a work trip, it it kind of has that effect even more so. Yes. Because we're like, wait, you're going for work? Yes. Yeah. No longer is it is it pleasure or an indulgence, but somehow uh, the association that. Uh, as a as an as an employment, both your position within the employer and the fact that your employer has the means to to do this, right? Um, now accentuate your position yet even further. It's very interesting how we conceptualize things in society that takes us further and further away from that humble beginnings. Yes. So. Long story for, short for me was that with my humble beginnings, with my humility inbred into me in the Western culture, I was not out there upselling myself constantly. I was just out there grinding and yeah. being like, I'm going to speak softly and carry a big stick. When, you know, on the, the, the adage of the, when the lion is on the pride, they don't need to tell people that they're the lion, right? Yeah. They just walk out onto the pride in the whole room. I want that in life, right? I don't necessarily want the glitz and the glam and the flash and all that kind of stuff. I want the sheer presence of my accomplishments to speak for themselves. Yeah. The challenge continues to be that as society, we have to upsell ourselves. And that's the lesson that I learned in that process. And so finding that balance of upsell without making that target massive on our back for criticism and ridicule. And when we do slip up a little bit, that little slip up doesn't look like a monumental failure. Right. Because ultimately when I reached out to you, that's what I was, I was looking online was I was looking at an individual who had been posting um, very Muhammad Ali-ish. I'll tell you how great I am. They're constantly posting on social media about how spectacular they are and some of their accomplishments and some of the 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 niceties that they have acquired in their life. Yeah. And they yet publicly, their business failed. They closed everything down. They've liquidated. And quite frankly, from a position of a accomplished business person that I am at this point, they look floundering. Now, they still have a good following, which is mind-numbing, right? These are probably the same people who are enamored by the Las Vegas experience. You know, here I am sleeping in the the Howard Johnson, the Hojo, 
And these people are, oh, that's amazing. I wish I could go out there. And I'm thinking, yeah, you can. It was the first time I went out there was a $59 flight and a $30 hotel. And I ate peanut butter and bread, you know? Oh, yeah. You could do that. I just was willing to take the leap, you know? These are the same people who are watching uh, this other, you know, this other entity, this other individual flounder. And they're going, you're going to do it. You're, you're. I love it. Your next your next endeavor is going to be great. I'm thinking you failed at your first endeavor not because you didn't have some, you know, some socioeconomic factor, but not because of of anybody else's fault but yours. Right. But yours, right? Have a little humility in the process. Pull down the posts about your 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 nice heated pool that you you installed this summer and the fact that then you close your your business 3 months later. Come on now. Yeah. That's not that's not the approach we should be taking. Right. So if you're listening to this, the idea is when you when you are, are prepared to do your your social media, when you're prepared to have that elevator pitch, that conversation with that next individual, are you approaching it with a sense of humility, with modesty in in in, in your mouth? Absolutely. You know? So I want to hear your story, and then we obviously have to talk about. Um, you know, for me, just the the concept of when I should be more humble as well. Absolutely. You know? So mine is, is literally a lesson that took way too long to learn. So <laughs> Don't they all. We'll just start off with. I mean, since I was a, a teenager, uh, I was very successful in everything I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously joined fire department. Was a top ten responder with them on sure. a, on a regular basis. Um, I, I went down to Fairfax County, Virginia, and had done all the testing. I'm a scrawny guy like myself, was passing up military guys on, on the, the courses for the physical ch- uh, testing. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I went through the, the polygraph, the psych test, all of that stuff. The psych test was, they're like, oh, you're one of the more intelligent people we've seen come through with the, your pattern recognition. And yeah, there's this yeah. and that. So everything's yeah, feeling just, good. You're feeling I, on top of the um, everything's um, building up. I was, yep. you know, my first job. I was promoted to manager very quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first, first, first job. I was trained in all positions, so I could literally. I was cross trained so that I could do whatever they needed sure. because I could. Because you adapt. could do it. You could adapt to the situation. You could cover all those different positions. Uh, so then my then then I was promoted to management as soon as I was old enough to be a manager. Uh, then then. Uh, when I left that company, it was because the grass was greener at this other company. Oh, yeah. And within a very, very short period, I was promoted to a supervisor or a manager role again. Yes. Uh, then I, you know, just hopped around all these different companies doing this, just constantly getting in and either starting starting with my foot in the door and immediately getting promoted or getting hired into those higher positions. Sure. Um, then I went to Furniture Row, which is... Uh, a company that when I started there, I was there for, um, it was, I think about 60 days Mm -hmm. and they asked me to go to another store to help with a reset of the store. Sure. And I was promoted to think about the impact you had that in 60 days, they were like, Hey, we got to send this guy to, to help shape up some other spaces. And I thought they were just sending me as a grunt worker. Sure. No, they were sending me because our regional manager was going to be in that store and the regional manager wanted to meet me and possibly promote me. Sure. And I was promoted right. to an assistant manager position. 
I was a, one of the fastest in the company at that time. Well, I was the fastest in the company yeah. at that time. So, you know, my ego is just through the roof at this point. 100%. I, I'm, I'm the best at this. I'm the best yeah, at that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I was getting the, the out of small stores in the company, I was getting the top five sales postcards every month. Hey, yeah. Hey, you're one of our best salespeople in the whole company. Yes. Which blows, blows my mind when there's million dollar st stores that are much bigger. Yes. So all these things are building me up, building me up. I end up with my own store um, in Syracuse, New York, and it was a real small store. There had already been talks of that store being shut down eventually, sure. but I went in there and we were up, and you're not going to believe this number, we were up $400,000 on the year by July 4th. <laughs> oh my gosh. When I got hurt. Oh, we were this is $400,000 on the year. Oh my gosh. On a store. You're that, up almost a half a million dollars. That hadn't done a million dollars. In seven months. Yeah. We were, we were up 400. We yes. were, we were pacing to do almost $2 million in yes. a store that hadn't done a million dollars in decades. Yes. So they're like, oh, well maybe we're not going to close the store. Maybe sure. we're. Let, now, it was just underproducing. Yeah. So they're like, we're going to, we're going to. Maybe just build a whole new store, or we're remodeling right, this. Right, we're, right, right. We're gonna try this. You know, I was I was gonna become a test market. Yes. And then I fell. That's when you got hurt. I fell off of a ladder in the warehouse, and I was out of work for four and a half months. Yeah. That was the most humbling experience I've ever been in because sure. I went from being hyper productive, over the top successful in my in my mind of everything. You know, right. I never got told that I wasn't good enough. I was yes. just always, oh, you're you're really good at this. Let's do that. At that moment, I watched over the course of the four months that I was not allowed to go back to the store. I watched that store drop just, just to the fall point apart. that when I went back, they were closing the store, oh. and it was down over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars on the year. I was up four hundred thousand on the year. How's that they possible? dropped. So they were down that much. Yeah, they're, they they you know at that point in time they they lose over five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Of pace. Yeah. Right. I mean that's really what we're talking about. It was and and I, so you've got to be coming back. And I mean so that's July. You're going to be trying to come back somewhere in November, December, right? Yep. That's exactly. You're, what you're it was. still coming into the same year, yeah. fiscal year. Yep. And you're watching what you had worked so diligently, uh, everything that you had worked, you know, to produce and uh, the culture to, you know, to be part of and create and I'm gonna, fall apart. I'm going to tell you the lesson that I learned in that moment of coming back and seeing the store being shut down and knowing how much it dropped was not one that somebody told me. Yeah. It was my own self-recognition that I realized at that moment I wasn't a good leader. Mm. And the, the reason I say that is because if I was a good leader, I would have had a team yes. that could have held the fort for me while I was there. Yes. The fact that the store lost that much money without 100%. me there. Yes, given there was no assistant manager when I got hurt, so there was no no management staff, so they were rotating managers from other stores. Yes. I get all of that. There's You can make up excuses for days. What it came down to is that I failed to establish a foundation at that store yes. that could carry on without me being in there. Yes. You know what, Jeffrey? It's it's such an impactful story because uh, it's a that life is about a learning curve, right? Life is is to to constantly have an open mindset, a, a growth mindset, an open mind, and to be able to to kind of look back in the moment. You know, hindsight being twenty twenty, and you look back and you can say, "Hey, here's where the the actual 
breakdown was yep. my leadership style right yeah that's called wisdom you know and i always tell people I, I try to have these these little phrases these little mantras you know and when somebody can identify a weakness of theirs in their experience not placing blame not saying oh you know so and so the man got me down you know this other company moved in and opened up a store no but to to take responsibility and say Hey, here's a position where I could have learned something or I could have done something better. That's called wisdom, right? And that's what you're you're sharing now. And that's our our objective with these podcasts is to to, to take our growth mindsets <clears throat> and try desperately to have those conversations with our listeners. Well, you know? and the, and the crazy part is is I can't tell you how many times that lesson had been told to me or taught to me throughout yes. the years. Yes. But until I physically went through that and yes. saw it happen and understood the gravity of it. Right. It never hit me like that. And at that moment was when I, I realized that I needed to be way more humble. I, I lost a lot of my arrogance at that point. Yes. Um, my, my wife would argue that I had started to lose arrogance well before that, because I was a lot more arrogant before she was even around. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, I mean, there's a series of things where I, yes. I learned humble lessons. Oh, but that absolutely. Was, in my mind, the most impactful. Yeah. Uh, that that really changed the direction that I went going forward. Yeah, and I I love. I'm I'm sitting here listening to your story, and I I mean, all of a sudden, a, <clears throat> a flood of of what I would I would say similarly related experiences in my own life. Going, yeah, these are things that I don't I don't exactly. Uh, I don't think of them. They're not on the tip of my tongue, but they are absolutely experiences where when, <clears throat> when you ask me, Hey, what are some lessons you've learned? What are some things? Um, you know, and then you said, Hey, you're one where you learn to, you know, to, uh, to be more humble, you know, um, the, you know, as far as my own experience, I'm looking at this going, you know, I shared the one where I was like, hey, maybe I need to be less humble, right? And you're saying, hey, we can be more humble or you've been humbled in this process. Um, I actually have these kind of firm beliefs in in kind of a serendipitous experience, right? Uh, not to say that God is actively, you know, puppeteering uh, experiences where you're getting hurt or where you're losing your house or you're losing your cash or you're losing, you know, right, life right. experience. I don't think that – I genuinely don't believe that from a religious standpoint, uh, but I do believe is that uh, that a higher power allows uh, our human experience to be good and bad, yeah. right? And so, and through that good and bad, some people are going to have that open growth mindset, and some people are not, right? And so, ultimately, I am sitting here listening to your story, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like I have these different experiences in my life where I believe the trajectory of my life hard turned yeah. hard left hard right hard bank you know that that arrogance that a sense of accomplishment that sense of i i've got all of this figured out has absolutely just dripped away because uh something the 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 carpet the rug gets just sweeped out you know swept out from underneath your absolutely. feet absolutely and so i i can i can recognize that um and i actually was sitting here listening to you and i think that i would like to have a second podcast and we're going to continue to talk about humility modesty and humbleness that humble pie we're going to call it rock bottom okay 
right? Because I think that that's one of those valuable pieces. So for our listeners now, I want to talk about rock bottom because I think that there have been a couple different points in my life where for where I'm at, I've hit rock bottom. Absolutely. Right? And that ability to not stay there is what defines uh, our success path. You know? I, I think there's, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a whole nother podcast on, on rock bottom because we both have been there. Yes. And I believe that in those situations, that's where you have to recognize your humbleness and, and, and yes. your modest, but at the same time, that is where it's most critical to upsell yourself. hundred uh, percent. And I think that's why we're going to have to spill over into this one. But in that podcast, folks, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to tell you at least two or three specific situations, vulnerable situations in my life that I believe from, uh, from, from my youth to my adulthood that I was absolutely at rock bottom and I had to hard pivot. Yes. Right. Using tools in our toolbox, like podcasts like this mantras that I had to repeat every day, look in the mirror and kind of take responsibility for my actions to, to eat that humble pie yet then recognize where I needed to sell myself better to other people, right? Absolutely. Where I needed to kind of dig down deep and go, you know what? No, here's my value and I'm going to tell you about it. Right. And kind of break out of that, that, that humble or modest nature and say, here, here's over here. I'm going to eat the humble pie and here's where I'm going to then kind of accentuate my strengths. Right. And that's the, that is the secret to, to, uh, coming up out of rock bottom and that support system, those good people you talked about. One of the things with humbleness that I've always heard and multiple different leadership books that you read will say this is that a great leader doesn't want to be the leader. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, for a long time would preach that and be like, yeah, you don't want to be a leader. You don't want to, but I don't know that I truly believe that I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be the manager. I wanted to be in charge. Sure. It wasn't until uh, just a few years ago that it dawned on me. I really just don't want to be in charge. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah. I just happen to keep being put there because I'm sure good at it. Sure. But at the same time, am I? And you have to question that and you have to recognize that yeah. in, in your humility. But I think the the fact that when people preach that and say that, oftentimes they are very successful leaders in their community. And it's hard to believe that they didn't want to be there. Well, and I and just kind of off that, um, when I was in, I had a very successful athletic career. I had a coach and I remember this moment when I was talking to one of these coaches and he was... Um, he was an offensive defensive lineman and he wanted to be a defensive coordinator. You know, that's the position that he was aspiring to. And I remember having this conversation with him and he showed up and we were sitting outside the locker room and he, he couldn't key us in to the locker room. And he was the first coach there. We were there, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes early for practice, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I remember talking to him and going, why, why don't you have a key? Why aren't we getting in there? I'm ready to get going for the day. And he's like, I don't, I don't want to carry the key. And he was, and and he was like, I don't want that. And I was like, How, how dare you? I want everything. Right, you know right. what I mean? Like, I, exactly. I want that responsibility. I'm the guy at the end of the game. Um, and this is this is that rock bottom. This is that learning that lesson. Uh, I learned to be the guy 
that I want to be the lead blocker at the end of the game. Yeah. I want the ball in the last couple seconds of the game. Now, I will share this story with you, and this was a, uh, this was a humble pie. This is where I learned that lesson similar to you. And again, throughout life, there's all these different little Absolutely. moments. You know what I mean? It's recognizing those moments it's that matters. It's recognizing those moments, yes. And so I was, uh, it was honestly, it was seventh grade basketball. And I got, we were down. This is one of those like Hollywood eyes TV show moments, right? Yeah. And it just, it's it sounds so uh, unbelievable, but it is actually true. And I was not the strongest player, despite the fact that I loved the game, right? And it was seventh grade middle school basketball, and the gym was packed. It was, I couldn't even tell you who we were playing and why it was such a uh, monumental game, but... I wanted the ball in the last few seconds of the game, but I wasn't the strongest player, right? And I remember, but also not wanting the ball, right? I kind of wanted, I knew there was a, a couple point guards and another another big man, and I thought they would be better. They would be, you know, more qualified to have the ball in those last few seconds of the game. But I ended up with it. And so it was one of those superficial, like, I know I should want the ball, but I didn't really want it. Mm-hmm. And I put it up and I got fouled. And we were legitimately, honest to Pete, we were down by literally uh, a point. Okay? Oh, so that foul was critical. Critical. So I had an opportunity to shoot two foul shots. The time literally expired. Yeah. Okay? It expired. So I had the game-winning shot. Yep. I got it off of a rebound. That's how I ended up the ball. That's important to note. I still remember watching the point guard take the shot, and it hit the rim, and I had three to five seconds left on the clock at that point in time. I am the person who got the ball, and I went back up with it. I had the opportunity to win the game, and I got fouled in the process. Okay? I So now you have the opportunity to win the game again. I have the opportunity but to now win the game. Everybody's stopped and quiet watching. Stopped and quiet and watching. Talk about pressure. The game pressure. is over. Talk about pressure. Here's the piece that here's the kicker. Cuz the pressure doesn't even start there. The pressure is that the coach at the time, and I'm not one to malign coaches, but this was a moment where an adult did me poorly. The coach tried to switch me out and have the point guard shoot my foul shots. Mm. He tried to cheat. Okay, so not only was he trying to cheat, but he, when one move, took any confidence level I had and immediately squashed it. Absolutely. He tried to have somebody else jump in and shoot my foul shots for me. Okay, well, I got to be honest with you. Dude, when I look back, I'm thinking, man, you were a scumbag, right? Because you don't do that to a, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old. Right. He cared right? about winning the game and, and didn't care about the repercussions of the players. Correct. And and ultimately, to talk about taking the wind out of my sails, like maybe I would have gone out there. I was not a strong foul, uh, a foul shot shooter. Right. I'm not, I wasn't at that point in my life. Uh, however, talk about playing a mental head game when your coach tries to switch you out and sneak you in, you know, sneak somebody else in, that's nothing but saying, hey, you're not actually good at this, so I'm trying to bench you in this process. No, right? he should have came in and gave you the confidence to make that shot. Yep, yep, 100%. Uh, long story short, I, 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 I lose in front of everybody. Yeah, I you, don't make the shots, you know? So you missed um, two opportunities to win the game. I did. I missed two opportunities to win the game in front of a, a, a very full 
middle school basketball game. Uh, you know, the eighth grade team was there and ready and warming, you know, ready to warm up. So you had all the parents for the eighth grade game coming in shortly after our mind, the, the whole, they didn't even have players out in the, in the key on the blocks because the time had expired. So it didn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm literally just out there shooting by myself. Oh. Yeah. Talk about life, man. I've got plenty of those types of stories. You're going to have to come back for rock bottom because, quite frankly, these are the moments that that define us, right? Where we learn to be better. The, the other piece is <clears throat> when you have accomplished things, you got to know when to shut up. Yes. Right? And we're going to talk a little bit about that because I just flat out didn't get to it. And that's one of the lessons that is really valuable for me at this point. As more and more people look at that target on your back, you got to learn to sometimes just be quiet. This has been such a cool conversation. You're going to want to join us next week for Rock Bottom. You are an important part of this conversation, folks. We want to hear from you. We want to know at what point in your life was a critical moment that you experienced humility and modesty or maybe a time when you were too humble about something that has happened to you and you need to upsell yourself a little bit. We want to know that. You can reach out to us by emailing our producer, Jeffrey, here at J-E-F-F-C at S-F-J-4-X-4.com, Simpson Family Jeeps, so S-F-J-4x4.com. Or you can hit us up on our text-only number, 440-855-855. 2100. We want to hear from you. In just a moment, we'll be back with Jeffrey's quote of the week. And this is my world now. Quote of the week. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And that's C.S. Lewis. Pretty much anything C.S. Lewis writes, I'm it's here gold. for. It's, yeah, it's gold. gold right? <laughs> it is. It's gold. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Don't be self-deprecating, right? I think that's part of the the context that I was sharing about my our Midwestern values, that that establishment of Western culture that comes from our Anglo-Saxon heritage from Europe into, you know, Puritans and Quakers and pushing forward uh, you know, through the uncharted frontier of America. This idea is that we don't have to be self self-depreciating. Right, so that's what he's saying. There is, it's not thinking less of yourself. I'm not thinking that I'm lower than mud. I'm not thinking that I'm the peasant who can't accomplish things. It's thinking of yourself less. Right? Am I talking? Go back and going back to what you're saying as a leader when you were in that store and you watched that store go from four hundred thousand dollars ahead to five hundred fifty thousand dollars behind in progress. That is a concept of thinking about yourself less, right? You learn that lesson in that process to go, hey, did I actually instill the values in in my team that would allow them to be successful and therefore carrying us all to this this overall goal, right? That's the process, the, one of the lessons you learned uh, that you shared with us today, you yeah. know? And just this idea, folks, if you are listening and you're, you're trying to understand where you fit in your teamwork, the idea, uh, as one of our earliest podcast concepts, I talk about the inverted pyramid of leadership. I don't care if it's on your board of directors, in your church choir, or in your small business. The business owner eats last is the idea. So if you want to truly experience a level of financial freedom, of social empowerment for yourself and for your team, 
you got to eat last. There's a reason why our military makes a regular effort uh, to instill those values uh, within their ranks. Yes. And that has this idea of thinking about yourself less. Yep. So credit to C.S. Lewis for closing us out today. What a great session. I look forward to next week when we talk about rock bottom. Folks, I hope that this has been a valuable conversation for you and that it energizes you and it compels you to get out there and get hungry. And stay hungry. And this is my world. The American dream is not dead. We want to help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through heart and hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440-855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.